You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 125th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change since 1997. I'm Jennifer Burrell, and in the absence of Jacques today, I'm talking with community activists Linda Bennett and Rodney Spark, who are campaigning against some pretty atrocious developments in Brunswick. For those who don't know, Brunswick is a suburb 6K north of the Melbourne CBD. Welcome to the program, Linda and Rodney. Thanks, Jennifer. Good to be here. Mm. Pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being on the program. Firstly, can you tell me a bit about yourselves? How long have you lived in Brunswick and what's your connection with the local area and the local parks? Okay, so I might start off, Rodney. Um, Rodney and I have lived together in this house for almost 40 years mm-hmm. and during that time we've brought up a few generations of dogs and one generation of kids mm-hmm. and as a result we're very frequent users of the parks we'll be talking about today which uh, we're not direct neighbours of the parks. We travel nearly one kilometre to get to the area where we walk our dogs um, and um, so we're very well aware of the range of parks that we're walking through and because we've been here so long we understand something about the history of uh, in particular where uh, Clifton Park and Gilpin Park, the largest of the parks in Brunswick, uh, where they started and what they were. They were a big hole in the ground, part of the Bricks Quarry and a very forward-looking council uh, reclaimed the land and turned it into this beautiful sporting grounds and bushland and uh, so on parks uh, that people use very frequently. Mm. Uh, Beautiful. They've got a mix of everything for everybody. There's, you know, footy, soccer, cricket teams. There's kick to kick and frisbee. There's open sky, shady Mm. nooks, um, slow joggers, a bagpiper, get fit groups, um, birds, birds Mm. and other wildlife Uh, rope walkers, there's shade and sun. And I I think people really loved the parks. They fell in love with them again during COVID lockdown, I think, made us really appreciate them. Mm. And I I remember Gilpin Park, myself in particular, uh, when that hardly had any trees. That must have been when it was just Mm. reclaimed for and, and planted with lots of those beautiful gum trees. Yeah, um, Jennifer, in 1981, actually, it was still a, uh, a, a large quarry and then and being used for a tip as well. And the council started back in 1981 to actually fill that in and start doing all the growth that is, has become the uh, beautiful Gilpin Park now. And, and by doing that, what the council did is they've created 
a um, what they now call the Brunswick Central Parklands, and it's a 19 hectare green corridor that runs all the way from Dawson Street at the was the Brickworks all the way through to Hope Street. So it's for people who want to actually walk all the way through. It's quite a um, mm. nice experience. Yeah, it's a beautiful park area and, and I would say especially needed in Brunswick because Brunswick otherwise is a lot of bitumen and concrete really and, um, and, and it's a, uh, very well loved by the local community. Uh, speaking for myself who used to walk my dog around Gilpin Park, it's mm. a very popular area. Yeah, so with all that in mind, can you tell me what's being proposed now and what are the problems with it? Sure. Um, there was uh, next to the parklands. There was a, um, a commercial, an area that was zoned uh, commercial, and the uh, in the interest of actually um, uh, uh, putting in place more residential uh, living in Brunswick, uh, higher density living, uh, they the council proposed to move that to a mixed zone so that you could actually then build residential. Um, uh, re residential living there. Mm -hmm. The council's view about that was that, like similarly, that was what was done with the brickworks, where there's some quite attractive uh, two to three storey um, buildings um, on the border of the parks. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the vision that the council had. But um, the developers were wanting um, to build higher than that. And so they uh, went to the planning minister to ask the minister to introduce. Um, higher, um, higher, um, what you saw, you know, hot, more height to the buildings are yeah. allowed. Yeah. And so as a result, the two developers that we're, we're fighting, Mervac and Stockland, who were the developers that went to the minister, are proposing, um, uh, first of all, Stockland, which is the first one, is proposing two eight-storey towers. Uh -huh. um, um, and Mervac, which is the, uh, the other developer, as proposing two ten-story towers yeah. plus plus some um, 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 uh, some townhouses and shops as well, mm -hmm. and both of those developments have shops as well. So you could imagine um, where they are if people are trying to visualise. We had Gilpin Park connected to Clifton Park, mm -hmm. and and this will create a wall along Albert Street, which is the road that divides those two paths. So mm -hmm. the fact will be like. A, a very high visible wall between the two parks and of course what comes with that is overshadow and impacts on those parks as well yeah so that's that they're they're huge developments being proposed because like you say around that area you're well the highest you'd be going up to is three on the other side of Gilpin Park yeah. uh, two and three but to suddenly have these soaring towers of eight stories and ten stories, that's incredible. And I'm just visualising it. The overshadowing would be the buildings are to the north of Gilpin Park, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And, of, and, of course, the north is where you get the sun from, so that's where you, you're definitely getting overshadowing of the park. And, um, and mm. That's correct. And in, and in, the, um, in the summer, because of the way the sun moves, uh, those towers actually do the shadow comes around across Clifton Park as well, which is the uh, which is the park uh, to the east and the north. Mm. Um, I think yes. Go on, sorry, Rodney, can I um, just um, add in there that um, we've we've done a survey of park users, and as we thought, the most frequently used times for 
for the parks uh, early in the morning, like before work or school, and then after school finishes, right up to after work, um, in in normal times anyway. Yeah, um, that's, that's and, right. and that's um, exactly when the impact of the shadows and the bulk will be most visible. Mm. Yeah. Well, the, well, the survey, I should just add to that, the survey of park users, um, we had more than 400 uh, responders who did that survey um, and 46% of them uh, used the park after six, after 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Mm. And when, when developers take their plans to VBAC, uh, VCAT, I should say, or when they submit them, they're only required by the planning laws to show the shadow uh, between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Really? Which is, yeah, which is fine for the buildings next door that have solar panels because they obviously want solar access during those times. But it is totally... Um, um, inappropriate for parklands, uh, they need a different measure, I think, of the shadow. Yeah. And I, I'm also thinking um, you mentioned the sight of them, the visual bulk, mm. uh, I could, because I always think one thing pleasant about this open parkland is actually being able to see the sky and be able to see into the different, uh, into the distance. Yes. And um, yeah. to have these soaring towers and of course the, the developers are getting the benefit of the parkland because that adds to the value of the development yes um, the mm. survey that's a really good point jennifer the survey that we uh took out we asked quite a, a number of questions of course and the people that we asked what their most important features were of those parks was open space and mm. sky uh, especially having trees and grass um, the next highest was fresh air and the third one was sunlight. So open mm. space and to be able to see the sky, it really makes a difference for you when you're living in urban Melbourne. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and definitely Brunswick's quite built up and there's a lot of places in Brunswick where you wouldn't be able to see into the distance, where you don't see the sky, you know, the sky in the way that you do from a park. Mm. And, yeah. um, and it is an inner city area, I would say, that really needs that parkland. And and as you say, the public people love it. They're very popular. People love the area. So, uh, thank. Uh, I I suppose I should say, uh, where um, a lot of people be very grateful to you and other activists really taking up this fight because it is a lot of work. Um, it is a lot of work for ordinary citizens taking up this sort of work, especially when you're pitched against people who have funds to get legal aid and write reports and all that sort of thing. Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, the the campaign's been really amazing. We've got a core group of like a steering group of people who've just worked their guts out and, uh, mm. and then a lot of supporters around them who do different yeah. things that they can and some people are able to give us money, which has been fantastic. Yeah, so we might, we might come back that to that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we might come back to that, but we'll be going to some music soon. But I guess I just wanted to say that there are really a, a lot of issues coming together with these proposed developments <laughs> that uh, we've talked about on Think Again. There's a top-down command and control approach of our institutions, including government, uh, plus the tokenistic approach to any notions, often any notions of democracy or democratic participation in decision-making, decision-making of ordinary people in their communities. Um, and there's been a, seems to have been a real effort to cut past any community wishes 
with the proposed developments that you're talking about. And um, then there's, a, of course, the lethal capture of our governments by corporate financial interests in general. And there are the constant inroads and threats to our shared green spaces. And there's been lots of examples of that happening in the media lately. This isn't an isolated case. It seems to be happening everywhere. And, and of course, all of this ignores the central importance of the natural environment for our health and well-being. And we do certainly need our communal green spaces in our urban concrete and bitumen jungles. Um, on that note, we'll go to some music. Gentrification by Pretty Sad White Girls. I'm going to gentrify your neighbourhood. I'm just going to clean it up a bit. Don't you worry, I'll be out of your way But with me here, it'll be safe Yeah You won't really notice me at first Until you start to feel marginalized In the town where you were birthed I'm gonna gentrify your neighborhood I'm gonna get you real good I'm gonna buy you out of town So I can ride my blog out of the brownstone out the door until the soul of your city is on life support look around and think this neighborhood could really use a juice press could someone please put a juice press in this neighborhood gentrification very oh gentrification very do you hear my prayer i hear your prayer white girl i hear this neighborhood should preserve its mom and pop shops, but one juice press won't hurt. You get it. I hear you pray. White girl, I hear your I only answer white girl prayers, otherwise they complain. And think this neighborhood could really use a graffiti wall mural with inspirational quotes. Gentrification fairy, since you're my bitch, can you please get to work on this? <laughs> I hear your prayer, white girl, I hear your prayer. This neighborhood could really use a youth outreach program, but I guess another wall mural is just as important. Yeah, for my Instagram. You get it. Oh, I hear me pray. Thank White you. girl, Thank I hear you. your prayer. Well done. I'm a This is getting out of hand. Ooh, I'm gonna gentrify your neighborhood. I'm just gonna white it out a bit. Don't you worry, I'll be out of your neighborhood could really use no a... I think this neighborhood needs no I just have one. no come on I just have one more prayer can you hear me out just one second fine go ahead luxury condos with wine cellars no think about it well that does sound nice white girl that does sound nice you can 
come over whenever you want. Oh, really? I'm actually looking for an apartment. Oh, you should just move in. Well, how much? $2,800 a month. Oh, fuck no! I'm gonna buy you out of town so I can turn your public high school into a European wax center. I'm gonna kick you out the door until the soul of your city is on life support. Tune in to Uprise Radio every first and third Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR. With Jackson and James, we're bringing you the in-depth analysis of what's happening in the world all in just 30 minutes. You can listen live to air or you can find us on demand. 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we have with us Linda Bennett and Rodney Spark from a community campaign called Scale It Down, opposing massive developments to the north of or in the midst of much treasured parks in Brunswick, a northern suburb of Melbourne. So Linda and Rodney, uh, what's been the reaction You've talked a bit about the reaction from yourself. I guess what's been the reaction from people you know and the local community to the proposed developments? Um, do you want me to start with this, Linda? Uh, um, yep. Um, it's interesting uh, to, I suppose, appreciate um, how, I suppose, a community um, campaign like this can start really quite small. But if you make the effort to get it going, it really can grow quite quickly. Mm. And the how this occurred was just uh, Linda was walking, she saw a sign that had been there away for a while tucked away saying for one of these two developments and it was on one of their fences basically saying it. So then we discovered that, well, we, no one knew about this and we didn't know anyone else who knew about it. So we took a, we objected to, to the council planning committee when they was when they were actually assessing the applicant, and then when we were there, um, there was only all oh, two others. Maybe there might have been three um, objecting as well. So we swapped names and said, you know, we can't. We've got to do something about this. And it was in the middle of COVID, so we couldn't meet again. So online we were able to pull in some other people we knew once we told the story who really, you know, had raised their shackles and they said, oh, I'll be in as well. And before we knew it, we had 10, 12 people meeting regularly online. Mm-hmm. Now we have, we have just gone to our case to VCAT and we have a joint objection to VCAT uh, signed by um, uh, 400 uh objectors, formal objectors to VCAT. Um, We have a a, a submission, sorry, a petition signed by um, almost 1,400 people and and wherever we we put signs up and we walked around, people are just coming up all the time and saying, wow, you're doing a great job, Mm -hmm. we're behind you. So 
you just from a little start, it's amazing if you just sort of start things going, how mm. much you can unleash, I think, uh, community um, anger when something like this is happening. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of people just didn't know about it. They just needed to be told. And when they're told, they were you didn't have to convince them that it wasn't the right developments for the area. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, and this isn't, um, this isn't a case where it's even, I mean, the immediate people who live right around, like right next door to the developments are obviously very concerned and we're working with them as well. But really this isn't just an ordinary neighbour-to-neighbour kind of issue here. This is a whole community who really knows what works for the community and what doesn't mm-hmm. work. And we just really hope that, um, you know, we might get a chance for VCAT to listen to our community wisdom. Mm. <laughs> dreamers, yeah. dreamers that we are, but we're going to give them a run for their money is what we have. Yeah, good yeah. on you. And, and and I guess what's really come out of it is people actually really do care. Yeah. It's not like you've had to sell it to, to anyone. And I understand... Um, from speaking with you is because they've bypassed local council and gone straight to the minister, that's why it's being heard at VCAT and so you're needing to present to VCAT whereas the developers have all the money and the experts and lawyers or legal people that they can fund as an investment. So that's what you're up against. Uh, Yes, look, it's a really good point because we didn't realise at first uh, what the implication was in terms of going to VCAT. We thought that VCAT is a so-called people's court and surely if we just went along as a big community group and said, hey, this look what it's going to do to our parks, that, that VCAT would say, yep, we agree with you. But mm-hmm. when, when we actually applied and we realised what was going on, the developers uh, turn up their their campaigns headed by QC, a team of lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, town planners, uh, wit. Uh, wit- uh, expert witnesses that verify what they're doing is okay with the environment. They're meant to be independent expert witnesses, but they're still engaged by those developers. Mm. Now, we then realised we need planning experts ourselves, and so we had to then suddenly start a, um, a funding campaign and fantastic responses meant that we had we got $21,000 and now with Amazing. the case coming up on Monday... Um, we actually have our own professional representation at VCAT. Mm, and that's for the, uh, I'm just thinking, that's for the eight-storey, uh, yeah. proposed eight-storey towers? Right. Yeah. Um, and dot plans. Mm-hmm. That's right. And an interesting thing that um, uh, people, you learn these things along the way, but um, Stockland resubmitted plans for it to be nine storeys. So now it's nine storeys. Wow. But when they did that, it meant that um, more objectors could come on board. Because there was little timing, we only had four or five, but because of that, we're allowed to bring on more. So that actually opened it up for us to bring um, another uh, three or 400 objectors to the table. But it's a really good point about the cost, you know, like um, if you're going to court to represent yourself um, in in a courtroom, the advice is always don't represent yourself. You don't understand. You need to understand the processes, the law, and how it works. Um, now, VCAT with developments is about understanding the planning law, and you really uh, only ninety percent. Sorry, ninety percent of VCAT cases taken by developers to VCAT uh, win their case. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so 
yeah, I think that's a really good a really good example of how the power it's weighted against you. The developers have all the power on their side. Uh, the people, the developers, putting in a the proposal for these sorts of developments, and the community's really on the back foot. And and good on you for alerting the community to this. And that's a lot of money to raise, and 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 also a lot of money to have to raise, really to have a community yeah. voice in the directions of your own community. So it's a good argument, Jennifer, for legal aid, I think, for VCAT. Mm. So I guess how can, I should ask you, how can listeners learn more about the campaign, scale it down, and how can they support the campaign? Yeah. Okay, so we've got this really, well, we're pretty proud of our website. It's www.scaleitdown.org www.scaleitdown.org, pretty easy to remember. Um, and that all will give, word. yeah, all one word. So that gives a lot of background and different places you can click and images to see what it might look like should it all go ahead as, as they plan. Um, and our current campaign really is to raise, unfortunately, to raise more money for the second case at Mervac, which is only one week later than the first case. So we're really mm. pushing and running running very hard there. Um, although we're not as naive as we were at the beginning, uh, we know that Mervac is even more organised and powerful than Stockland. And so mm. even if we raise $7,000 in addition uh, to what we already have spent, um, we, that will help us um, develop the logic behind our, our case in, in the language that they need to hear. Yeah, and that's that second one that you need more money yeah. for legal representation, that's for 10-storey towers, right, yeah. Yeah, the MERVAC mm. ones. And, and, of course, the point about all of this is within developments is they set precedents for following developments. That's exactly so, right. That is exactly what this is about because... This block of land, these are the first two developments on the block and there's more space in between that will eventually become developed in this way. Um, if, so, If not for people like you and right. others in the community yeah. fighting yeah. them. Yeah. It's, um, uh, that's a good point, though, Jennifer, about precedent. Uh, we want people not to think, oh, yeah, but then there'll be another developer and another developer and you'll need more money again and again. What's happened here is that two developments have come at the same time um, and once VCAT makes a ruling on these two developments, it will set the precedent for any further developments in that precinct because VCAT, like, like court of law, um, go look back at the precedent set by previous decisions. So these two are really quite critical um, cases to win. Yeah, so it's a big investment by the community really, but um, should be a very, it's a really important investment that the community is making at this point in time, not just money but um, all of your time and work and meetings and administration and reading boring documents, all that. It's a really important investment to make because if everyone gives up now it's game over yes. isn't it sure mm. and we should give credit to the council here i know the council come under a lot of criticisms for some of the planning decisions they make but the council are, are aligned with us on this mm. and council of course um as the local authority overseeing their own planning scheme are fighting at vcat as well yeah. okay. and it's costing them something like eighty thousand dollars to take their case so 
Um, we've been working with them and they're supportive. We are supportive of each other mm. um, at That's really important to note that too because that's the council in this case using ratepayers' money to represent, to truly represent the wishes of the local community. Yeah. Yes. So unfortunately we've come to an end um, too soon but we will be interested in keeping track of this. I want to uh, thank both of you, Linda Bennett and Rodney Spark, for coming on the program today to talk about this campaign, Scale It Down. And as I say, a big thank you to you and other community members for taking this fight up to VCAT and really ch challenging the developers. Thanks. Oh, thanks, thanks for and to our listeners, thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast wherever you get your podcasts and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Thanks again to Clive Bourne for recording, technical production and music. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to our brothers and sisters in prison. To bring us into this program, please enjoy Milkumana by King Stingray. Turn